0: G
1: Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host, Etienne McClintock.
2: Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. In the studio of our very special guest, his name is Kevin Petrie. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thank you, Etienne. It's wonderful to have you come and share your testimony Now I've known you for a number of years I think I first met you around the 80s in New Zealand in Christchurch
3: That would be right I think your family came across from South Africa somewhere in the mid-80s Yeah,
2: it was beginning of eighty five, nineteen eighty five. 1985 And your dad was the person that actually met us at the airport Okay. on that day And remember, it was quite a cool summer's day And that occasionally happens in Christchurch and we're going, this is the summer. I mean, the winters are going to be freezing cold. But anyway, it did warm up after that. So it was actually nice to meet your family back in that time. We were both young and single guys um, when we met. But obviously now we've been married. We are a lot wiser since that time, hopefully.
3: I'd like to think so.
2: <laughs> but it's really good to have you in the, in the studio. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing?
3: So currently I work at Avondale College of Higher Education. Mm. Um, I work there as the Dean of Faculty for Education, Business and Science and also teach into the primary education uh, program Mm. uh, where we train the next lot of teachers.
2: Okay. Now, have I seen a title before your name?
3: Uh, so look, officially it's associate professor, but uh, to be honest, everyone calls me Kevin. Okay. So I'm not really used to the other.
2: The associate professor title. And uh, you've done a PhD in your, uh, in your field?
3: Yes. Hmm. So I uh, worked on a doctorate a few years ago through La Trobe University in Melbourne hmm. and, uh, and was able to dig into some areas which have fascinated me for a few years.
2: Wow. Well, I should have introduced you as Dr. Kevin Petrie then, so I apologize, sir, for not showing the uh, the, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> the respect to you. Kevin is just perfect.
2: <laughs> no, I know. You're a humble guy, and I enjoy that about you. now from time to time, we do get the opportunity to hang out together and spend some time together, and I've always appreciated mm-hmm. your company and that of your family as well. Speaking of your family, can you perhaps just tell us uh, married, single, otherwise, children?
3: Sure, yes. I have a wife, Jennifer, who also works at Avondale College, um, she's the director of student services. Mm. And I have two children. One, uh, how old is he now? 27. Wow. Uh, and one about to turn 26. So my son's 27, doing his nursing training through Avondale. Mm. My daughter lives in Adelaide, graduated as a primary teacher from Avondale College, and now teaches uh, at Prescott Southern Adventist School in. The Morphett Vale area of Adelaide
2: Right, yes I, uh, I was able to catch up with your daughter uh, Earlier in the year We were doing some work for Gateway Baptist Church And the, uh, the senior pastor there um, Reverend Jacques He actually remembered your daughter Because he'd gone over to the Morphett Vale Seventh-day Venice Church there the, uh, And the school And he had to go and pick up some things from the school And he remembered your daughter teaching in the class And he remembered her voice funny enough Okay And then when he met her again there When we were having lunch with him On the Sunday After the church service uh, he, her, her voice came back to him And they uh, remembered her So it was quite amazing Her speaking voice? Her, her speaking s- voice Okay yeah. Yeah, well, so That's unique that's, that's fascinating Yeah,
3: Maybe it's that Kiwi accent She still has Perhaps
2: Part Kiwi accent Well that's hmm. not bad Because I've got a part Kiwi accent as well
3: Uh, It's pretty well hidden, I think
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a South African slang slash Kiwi accent (laughs) Some people who've got a sharp ear can actually hear both Hmm. But we're not here really to talk so much about myself We're keen to hear about you and your life So you're obviously a very busy man Um, Were you born in
3: New Zealand? Where were you born? So Christchurch, South New Zealand is my birthplace um, so I am a Kiwi by birth, hmm. uh, although my parents shifted away when I was two years old hmm. and lived in a few other places before coming back uh, for high school. Right,
2: okay. So you travelled around. What was your father in, uh, involved or in? What was his line of work?
3: He was an accountant, hmm. um, but an accountant with a sense of adventure. Okay. Um, so when opportunities came up to work in other places, he was... He was pretty quick to take them. Mm. And uh, so my poor, long-suffering mother um, got uh, drafted off to various parts of the globe um, to follow my father.
2: Okay. And uh, did you travel together as a family at the time, you know, from from place to place and live the adventure with your dad?
3: Yeah, look, we did. Um, Mm. We shifted to uh, Australia when I was two and then to East Africa when I was five.
2: Wow. Okay. So even Africa. Hmm. Because I remember one of the things about your dad in particular is one of the first things he said to us when we had our meal that evening he picked us up from the airport. He used a few Afrikaans words and he had a great sense of humor. I knew that because he said a few funny words to us in Afrikaans and we were all laughing and and just enjoyed him making us feel very comfortable and home in a a foreign country.
3: And unfortunately he probably only knew a very few words so you probably heard them over and over.
2: (laughs) We heard him a few times but he used them very well. And oh, yeah, there was always a good sense of humor behind it all. So you, the the family environment you were brought up in and were born into, uh, was a Christian?
0: Yes. Hmm. Mm.
2: So those influences, uh, how would you say the, they affected your life and how did they shape your life?
3: You know, the older I get, the more I look back and realize, you know, what a, an incredible shaping factor they were. Mm. Um, from a young age, um, I knew that my parents had a genuine connection with God, mm. that their journey was real. Um, prayer and opening the scripture was a regular part of what we did on a daily basis. And as kids, we we expected miracles. Okay. Um, we knew that the power of prayer was real mm. and... And weren't surprised when we saw Mum and Dad's prayers being answered on, on many occasions.
2: That is a wonderful thing. You know, we, Jesus even talks about you know those who are to enter the kingdom of heaven are to become as little children, mm-hmm. just a simple trusting faith. And you have just told us a little bit about that. You hear about miracles as your parents are actually opening the scriptures and reading it, no doubt, and for family worship. So that's just a normal part of life. So when your Hmm. parents pray, you expect that the prayers will be answered. Absolutely. And this is the thing. Even uh, James, in the book of James, talks about those people who ask sometimes, but they don't get because they're double-minded, because they doubt. And sometimes if they do ask, they ask amiss because they're actually asking for selfish reasons rather than for for good reasons. Hmm. So uh, very important that we know how important it is for children to be raised in a godly um, environment. Now, Nowadays, quite often people will farm that off to the experts. They'll expect maybe the church to take over those responsibilities to give the spiritual training. But what you're telling me here that it's actually very important for the parents to uh, actually take on those responsibilities and, and make sure that the children have a good grounding in something that is solid, like an understanding of God and his word and faith.
3: Absolutely, Eddie, I I think there are... Influences that happen at that early childhood level, which just can't be replaced by anything else. Mm. Um, I certainly don't detract from the influence that school and church you know, are going to have sure. on our developing lives. But, mm. uh, but really there, I think, to supplement what the parents do on a day-to-day um, basis in the home. Mm. The fact that you can see Christianity lived out in a real way um, from morning till night, I, I think there's no... Replacement for that sort of influence. Right.
2: I agree with you 100%. So you're growing up, you've got good home influences, you've got godly parents who demonstrate what faith is all about. You hear about it often. That's just a normal part of life for you. But are there any other influences outside of that that might be a little bit of distraction as you're growing up?
3: Look, I think um, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in our time in East Africa, it was, I think, a fairly sheltered um, type of uh, upbringing because, well, I mean, we there wasn't even TV in the country in which we lived. Right. Um, so it was very much a natural childhood where you spent your spare time roaming outside. Hmm. I think like anyone else as you go through those teenage years, you strike a lot of other influences. Hmm. Um, and I think regardless of where you live... Um, There are things that draw your heart Mm. um, into other places. I I think naturally our heart wants to go after things that pertain to self. Mm. Um, and, And at times during the teenage years, I'll admit that those influences, those early influences, didn't necessarily keep me from wandering away from what I knew to be the right path. Right,
2: okay. So these influences, were they just the general exposure as you're out in the the community or the environment or that they come through friends or through school? Uh, how were you exposed to them?
3: I think uh, very much a combination of mm. um, the above. You know, certainly friends at school um, who may have had experiences that I didn't. Right. Um, I think the media um, has an impact. Mm. Um, and I just think that... Uh, our own heart at times tends to be inclined um, away from God Even when in our mind we know we should be inclined towards him
2: Right, okay, so basically what you're saying to me is I hear that there's external factors So there could be external temptations But you're saying even within our own heart our own mind There's a natural tendency Which we probably have inherited to egocentricity or selfishness I think so. And that so, expresses yeah. itself normally not in wholesome things necessarily. Hmm, if think. if the natural heart was just allowed to run riot. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, speaking so, for my natural heart anyway. Don't, sure, sure. I don't know no, about
2: anyone no, else's. I can relate to it. Now, from time to time, I, um, I get the privilege of interviewing people who um, have had these wonderful Christian experience they have grown up with it. And the natural tendency of their lives have been to follow God. As demonstrated by their parents Now of course we're not saying their parents were perfect Because everybody makes mistakes But they typically, you know, their heart's in it And they try and do the right thing um, Then I have some people who've had the terrible experiences Or they never had the privilege or the benefit Of a Christian upbringing with godly parents And uh, they've almost uh, wrecked their lives And then have come to the Lord And it's a remarkable story But each story is remarkable in itself And I think the ones that I enjoy uh, hear, I hear like hearing all of them But the ones I enjoy the most is the consistent lives Where people um, have just walked a good Christian life There have been some distractions But not to the point where they've actually totally derailed them mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's sort of what you are telling us a little bit this morning Now what I'm curious about though is How did you make those decisions I guess when you were young decisions were made for you But as you started getting older You get to choose mm. How did you choose right from wrong? What was it that kept you on the path? Because we can equally look at other stories where people perhaps were brought up in similar environments, and they've made different decisions to you. And I'm always curious, what makes one person choose and the other person not choose? I mean, I don't know if we've got the answers for it, but I'd like to just explore that with you a little bit.
3: Hmm, Sure. Hmm. I think, as mentioned before, um, through my childhood, I came to a realization that god was real and that prayer was real and that seeing a number of instances of it working in a powerful way in our own family mm. uh, i remember for example as a kid we we were traveling between two countries in east africa and there was uh, there was tensions between the two countries we were traveling between mm. and um there was a rule that you were not allowed to bring any printed media into the country we were entering, mm. from the country we had been from, and um, so, so
2: printed material. They would include a Bible as well, or? absolutely
3: um, any media where the where the country we were coming from was reporting on ah, m- okay. news events. So, so news, right? Not not so much um, like a Bible any, or a book print, or something.
2: Yeah. It's more okay news articles and.
3: So as as we entered the country and, and went through the border post, which is a, a bit of an endeavour in itself, mm. we um, were very careful. Mum was very careful to make sure that we didn't have any newspapers. Mm. So um, what age are
2: you at this time?
3: So I'm about nine years old.
2: Okay. And uh, did you have some concerns crossing it through or was it just another part of the adventure?
3: Just another part of the adventure. Okay. We we travelled a bit and did a few thousand kilometres a year. and mm. So it was just... Yeah, part of the trip. You went through a number of different countries. But as we entered, we had just got through the border post and was just doing a sweeping turn to get back onto the main road. And a group of soldiers with their automatic weapons stepped out on the middle of the road, flagged us over, um, at gunpoint, ordered us out of the car and lined us up mm. on the side of the road. And... Um, as kids, we thought, this is just so cool. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. Imagine imagine the stories we can tell our friends yeah. when we get back to well, school. Well, I'm
2: enjoying the story so
3: far. <laughs> well, mum and dad weren't quite so uh, keen.
2: Because they understood the potential they danger They understood of it. the danger. Yeah.
3: And uh, as, as my mum stood there lined up, she had this sudden thought. See, that morning, never to be one to waste anything, she had wrapped up the letters left over in newspaper Hmm. and put it in the boot. And she realized that as they searched the car, which they were doing from top to bottom, they would find that newspaper from the previous country and determine that we were smuggling media into the country. The, um, The rules stipulated that you would have your car confiscated, if that was to happen, and being a few thousand kilometres from home, we weren't too keen on that.
2: Absolutely, you don't want to walk. So,
3: as Mum stays there, she just prays, mm. and we don't know about this at the time. Mm. They decide rather than to start in the boot where the lettuce was wrapped in newspaper, they'd actually start on the roof where our four suitcases were tied. Okay. So the first suitcase comes down, and it just happened to be my one because it was the smallest, and uh, and packed right at the top there was my Bible Hmm. and uh, because that's where my parents taught us. That's where you packed it. So they open it up, they find the Bible and they hold it up and they ask my dad, are you a Christian? Well, he wasn't sure if it was good to say yes or no, (laughs) but he told the truth and said yes. And the leader of this group of men then just said, well, whereabouts are you from? And my dad gave the name of the place in which we lived and a big smile broke out on his face and he Hmm. said, you know what, that's where I went to school. Really? He said, are you guys Adventists? Mm. And uh, my dad said, yes. So he turned around to his men and said, put your guns away. Help these people tie there. They're good people. Don't don't bother them anymore. They helped us tie everything up onto the roof rack, and, and we took off and headed off on our journey. And we had uh, travelled about uh, fifty kilometres, and mm. of course, Mum tells us the story in the car. She
2: now tells you about the letters with the newspaper inadvertently
3: wrapped up. Uh, absolutely, and so there, there oh. is there is praise and and um, prayers of thanks mm. as we travel along. We stopped uh, not far, um, maybe fifty kilometres in, at a uh, at a friend's place where we were going to spend a little bit of extra time. And the next morning as we left the friend's place, we started on our journey noticing a petrol station on the left and my dad looked and realised this petrol was still fairly full but you could never be too full. It was a long way between petrol stations in some places so we pulled in anyway. Mm. As we pulled in, we noticed a truck pull up behind us and that truck had a whole bunch of people just packed on the back and as my dad looked in his review mirror, he noticed that one of them jumped off the back of the truck and was looking at us with a quizzical look on his face, finally came up beside my dad where he was filling up the car and said, did you folk come through the border yesterday? My dad said, yes. He said, I recognise you and your car. Mm. He said, I was on duty at the border post. And I realized after you left, there was a piece of paper I forgot to give you. And that piece of paper, when it's signed off, shows that you didn't bring your car into the country illegally. Now, a few kilometers down the road from this petrol station, there's a checkpoint, and they're going to ask you for that piece of paper. If you don't have it, they confiscate your car. So you need to drive back. Wow. So my dad did. We drove back to the the border post. We didn't know... Whether this was true or not, but mm. we thought we'd play it safe. Sure enough, there was a piece of paper we hadn't signed. We got it signed and we drove back past the petrol station. Sure enough, there was a checkpoint and we gave uh, the piece of paper to show that we hadn't entered the, the country illegally with our car. So, how far was this checkpoint?
2: Can you remember uh, from where the petrol station was? Were you like hours down the road or was it Look,
3: a little Look, no, it was just a few kilometres down the road. Oh, it, it was okay. not too far. Um, so as a kid, you know, I would mm. I would look at that and think, you know, what's the chances of both of those things happening, mm. you know, by accident? Mm. Uh, you know, what's the chance that that uh, leader of the armed group had gone to school a couple thousands of kilometers away where we lived or or that the guy from the border post just happened to meet us at the petrol station when he did... So I found it very difficult as a kid to try and explain away answered prayer. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that God always chooses to intervene in that type of a way because, you know, like you, Etienne, I've had times in my life where God hasn't chosen to jump in when I thought he should have. Mm. um, And there's been silence instead. Yes. Um, But however, certainly as as a... Someone developing a fledgling faith mm. it, it meant a tremendous amount to me
2: Absolutely You know, what, what impresses me more the, the, the further I go on this journey Discovering what God is really like You know, to know God The more I trust Him mm. But if we can get to the point Where they have those three worthies You know, Daniel's friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego They are under a death decree If they don't worship this image that's been set up and then they say to the king, listen, we're not going to be too careful in how we save. And they're not disrespectful. They said, listen, but we're very clear on our position. Basically, that's what they're saying. We will not worship this image. It doesn't matter what you do to the fire, even if you heat it seven times. We trust our God who's able to deliver us. They know for a fact God can deliver them. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. We still love him. We still trust him. And if he chooses for us to die today, that is perfectly fine with us. So God answers prayers He answers the prayer of faith We can be clear about that But we also want God's will to be done in our lives And God knows the end from the beginning better than us So Mm. I thank you so much for bringing that out But that is such an encouraging story So you've got a number of experiences like that Growing up as a child
3: So certainly there there were a few of those Um, And I know your original question I've kind of um, Long-winded way of answering it But I guess by the time I got to my teenage years Despite the fact that, um, look, there were influences that w- that were tempting, mm. T- to be honest, for the most part, I just, I couldn't run away from God. Mm. A- and even during those times where I would sometimes be doing things I knew weren't the right thing, I'm not talking major, but you mm. know you're not necessarily doing what God would have you do, sure. there was still this... Absolute belief that God was still there, and and I would talk to Him. I remember as a teenage teenager going, um, "Sorry, God, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I know You're there. Just, just be there anyway." Mm. Which might sound a weird prayer to pray, sure. but I guess it was my acknowledgement that, that I believed in this presence and and that I had this need still, mm. um, this need for divine guidance even when I didn't necessarily walk in it or admit to it. Sure,
2: sure, understand. Yeah, understanding God's character, because obviously he loves us, I mean, infinitely demonstrated in the life of Jesus, his sacrifice, his death. But then there's also uh, the other component uh, that God hates sin. And while he loves us and we participate in things he doesn't like, we're not necessarily cast off anyway because if his love is greater, if we're sin abounded, a grace does much more abound, the Bible says. so thank you for bringing out that that point. It's very important so you you have these positive experiences, you see God working in his providence. Some people would just say, "Look, those are just coincidences, but this happens often enough for you to know that this is answer to prayers. you pray about it, it happens. And I think there's a lot of things that God will do for us if we ask that unless we've asked, he wouldn't have done for us otherwise. Mm. So your mum demonstrates it, your dad demonstrates it, you have a life of adventure. You're thinking, this is a pretty good life. Why would I walk away from it? That's sort of what I'm hearing from what you're telling me.
3: Yeah, look, I I, I think so. Um, Mm. However, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, the influence of other things such as friends Mm. um, can become a real draw because, look, to be honest, every teenager wants to belong.
2: Absolutely, I mean
3: that. We're social drive, creatures, yeah. Uh, yeah. That drive to be accepted as part of the group is just so strong. Mm. And um, I mean, I, I I remember a particular instance where, um, after high school, um, I got in with a group that was not necessarily the the ideal group, and a friend of mine had worked out a new way of making money. Mm. Um, and at that time I tried a few different things. I dropped out of university a couple of times and uh, and I was just on the dull trying to find where on earth my life could go from here. Hmm. And his uh new fundraising scheme was that he found that he could uh, take stereos from cars and make some money from them.
2: When you say take, uh, was he going to the car wreckers and spending a little bit of money to take them? Or was it a different kind of taking?
3: No, this is a different kind of taking. Uh, okay.
2: One that could get you incarcerated potentially? That's right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay.
3: absolutely. Okay. So he uh, he decided that, because um, he was also on the dole, that, uh, mm. and he made a few bucks this way. Mm. And uh, he suggested to me that that I might, like to likewise make a little yeah, bit of money
2: on the side okay
3: so i i remember the day where he finally convinced me to go to a car park and uh and his way was to show me around the car park mm. to to show me how to select the right car and in my mind i'm thinking you know this is really a dumb idea yeah you know why on earth would anyone put themselves at risk I mean, I'd never stolen anything in my life, Mm. Um, and I didn't really think that this was the time to start now. However, you know, when you're on the dole and money is tight and you dream of all the things that you can get, Mm. there are times that that your mind goes in directions that it necessarily shouldn't.
2: So there's an element of uh, some desperation there just to have a little bit more money because things are tough and things could be so much easier if there was more money. Absolutely. So, you found some creative way of. uh,
3: Well. Potentially to acquire uh, some additional money. He finally identified the car that was the right one to get the uh, stereo out of and um, told me it was time to do it.
2: Well, uh, dear listener, we have just come to the first half of our program. Uh, We're just going to take a quick break here and I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the story. My special guest in the studio is Dr. Kevin Petrie. And we will be right back after the short message. Stay tuned.
4: Why hurry? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In a culture that praises a hurried lifestyle, we are tempted to believe constant activity is fulfilling and important. But hurrying doesn't allow us to go deep. And this diminishes our ability to do things well. God did not intend for us to race through the only life we've been given. If we race through each and every day, we miss the opportunities, significant moments that God wants us to enjoy or to learn from. Learning to slow down is about resisting the need to always be looking forward to the next thing. Slowing down replaces trust in our own speed and control and gives it over to God and His timing and control. As you begin to try to slow down today, you may experience anxiety, unease, or irritation. Pause and talk to Jesus about these feelings. It will take a while to really learn how to slow down, but you need to start sometime. So today, try and be intentional about not being in a hurry, and try to be In the moment And remember Live your faith And have a blessed day
2: Dear listener Thank you for staying with us On the program You are listening to By the word of their testimony My special guest in the studio Is Dr. Kevin Petrie Now Kevin Just before the break You were telling us That uh, you had a friend Both of you were on the doll. Money was really tight. I mean, you don't get a lot of money on, on the dole. Obviously, there's, uh, there's more demands for your money than you have money. And he'd found a novel way of supplementing his income and it was encouraging you to consider the same opportunities. So, what was that opportunity and what were you doing? You were telling us you were in a car park.
3: We were. He, we had, uh, or my friend had found the car that he felt we could get a stereo from and okay. he was going to show me how it was done. And uh, we were going to do it together the first time, and then by then he felt I okay, would... So he wants
2: to teach you by uh, having practical experience, practical knowledge of how to lift.
3: That's right. <laughs> or yes. in other words, steel. Yes, he, he <laughs> thought, just felt my education wasn't complete. Right, so okay. So here he was going to help complete it. Um, it was interesting because as he went towards the window where it was going to be his entry point, I, I just turned around and glanced up at the sky, and it was... A very cloudy evening, it was very dark. Um, mm. This particular car park didn't have a lot of lighting and yet, as I looked up at the sky, there was just a breaking of the clouds, and the stars shone through and At that moment, my mind just went out to god. it was um I call it a reach out point it's not a turning point mm. but i I think that if as humans we have enough reach-out points, it eventually becomes a turning point. Okay, interesting. And, uh, and as I looked out, I saw the stars there, and I remember clearly just saying to God, is this the best I can be? Mm. Is, this, is this really the best I can be? So roughly what age are you at this time? So I'm 18 at this time.
2: okay. So it's a it's a it's a age where obviously family, uh, I mean re- relationships with friends are very important and uh, quite a vulnerable point, In age for many people.
3: Yeah, look, it is. I, I mm. think it's um, looking at a number of friends I had at the time. It, it was a turning point age mm. uh, for many of them, and and just at that very moment, it's just like I knew I couldn't do it, and I just wow. I just walked away, and he called out after me and. Added a few names to what he thought I was like because I wasn't brave enough to go through mm. with it. But just walked and walked home and and knew that somehow, somewhere, I wanted to amount to more than that. Mm. That I wanted my journey, my story to... To be something that actually contributed something worthwhile.
2: Yeah. Okay, because this is the opposite of contributing something worthwhile, isn't it? <laughs> it's taking something <laughs> it from really someone else. Is. Yeah. And I, I often think about this, you know, the, the amount of scheming and planning and uh skills that are developed to be deceptive and to steal, if that same amount of scheming and planning, that mental energy that um that smarts the um and the thinking and also the time that goes into this If that was put into something productive That actually aid mm. and help society Society would be a very different place
3: Absolutely
2: Jails would be empty And people would be looking out for each other mm. That would be a great place to live mm. Well praise God that you're just at that moment You had a, I don't know what you call it A God moment, a, a reach out moment A as you reach mentioned.
3: out moment I call it Yeah, mm. because
2: it wasn't a turning point yet No Okay, so how many reach out points did it take For you to get to a turning point at that age in your life
3: I, I think there was a few, um, because I'd tried a whole lot of things, uh, not just uni but work opportunities, mm. and had never lasted. I had always given up after a short amount of time and just couldn't settle to anything just just was constantly restless mm. um, yeah, just couldn't find my place, and you know, like for most parents, my parents were just. I think they'd given up, to be honest. In fact, well, mum, mum admitted later that she kind of thought, "Yeah, okay, that's a shame." He, he's he's
2: not going to amount to anything. He's not going to
3: amount. <laughs> um,
2: now, this is this is a, a bit of a mind blower because I mean, everybody would look at you now; they would not consider that you would be a person that has had was directionalist, probably at the age of eighteen or thereabouts. Because you have obviously uh, successful in your field. Uh, I mean, it takes a bit of work to, uh, to achieve uh, you know, a degree, a PhD in your field, and also to work as an associate professor. So this is an encouragement to any person out there, any young person listening out there at the moment. You may not know where your life's going. You might feel it's aimless. You may feel there's no purpose. But take courage from Professor Kevin Petrie that he also went through that experience at some stage in his life.
3: And look, I, I over the years have—I um, think it's enabled me to look at the students that I've taught with different eyes, mm. because I realize the extent to which there is no limit to what God can do with a person's life, mm, I mean. if they let Him in and do some stuff on the inside. Mm. Uh, I mean, education is not—is far more than just. The knowledge and the skills, and and even, even skills that are great in helping people. It's the acknowledgement that actually we need, we need a higher power on the inside, mm. um, tra- absolutely transforming us from the inside out. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's that's been a continual lesson that, that I haven't forgotten.
2: Wow. Okay, so that that transforming power is obviously needful for us, just simply with the default. Um, Nature we were born in, which has that egocentricity, it's a little bit contrary to the love of God or even the law of God, and therefore we need a help outside of ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus even talks about that. He says that without me you can do nothing. He talks about Him being the vine and we being the branches. We should be grafted in if we are draw- drawing energy or you know nutrients from the from the vine. The branch of itself will then produce fruit.
0: Hmm.
2: So it's not for us to destroy fruit. It's for us just to strive to be grafted in and stay connected with the vine. Hmm. So that, uh, that internal uh, mechanism we want, which is only brought to us by the Holy Spirit, obviously very, very important. So these reach-out moments, have you got any other stories? Because I'd like to get to the point where there was uh, a, a obviously important reach-up hmm. um, moment.
3: Yeah, look, there there were two or three, three or four of those reach-out moments Mm. at at various points where I I looked at where I was heading but was powerless to actually do anything about it. Mm. No matter how much I would set my willpower to do something, I I just couldn't do it. I remember another reach-out moment. After being on the dole for a while, I thought, look, I'm going to try the uni thing again. Mm. Uh, I'm going to see if I can train to be a teacher. And and really, I wandered into it because a friend of mine was doing it and we didn't leave, live too far from the institution. But I remember as I enrolled, I I just had this little reach-out moment to God where I, I said, you know, look, I'm going to have another go. Mm. I don't think I'm going to make it anywhere. Mm. But I'll see if I can last at least maybe a semester. Maybe I might even last a year. We'll see. But, you know, I, w- I wouldn't mind a bit of help. And so um, I just started and put one foot in front of the other and didn't actually think I'd finish the first semester. I I got restless. I wanted to go off and do something else. Hmm. However, something happened in that year. Uh, Our Bible teacher I mean how often have you Heard in different stories to do with schools There was this teacher Mm. (laughs) Well there was this teacher Who taught um, We had a combined Year 12 And first year of teacher Training Bible class together Because we were all on the same Campus of the Mm. institution This was at Longburn College In New Zealand Right. And um, one of the books that he insisted we read for his class, because it was on the life and teachings of Christ, and he was just going through various stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But he said we had to read this book called um, The Desire of Ages. Okay. That's a very good book. um, And look, at first I didn't, but he, he would give these regular quizzes on it. And the rest of the girls in my class kept on getting better scores than me, so I thought, right, I'm going to read it. You don't want to be showing up. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it just to get a good score. Yeah. And look, for the first few weeks, I'd say the first two or three months, I I really didn't like it. Mm. Um, my reading repertoire at that time consisted of westerns. Right. Um, so that was pretty much all I you know I read. Yeah. Um, or other war-type books, mm. um, particularly adventure and, you know, anything exciting. and
2: Quite stimulating kind of. Yeah, look, um, it was. Sorry. And yeah. I found
3: this book a bit like, uh, excuse the expression, chewing on dry Wheat-Bix. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the only thing that kept me going was that I didn't want to get worse scores. Sure, yeah. The, but the, you were missing the, the, the milk and the honey. I, I was. I was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the funny thing was I got about – a third the way through the book and then sat, found myself in this position where I couldn't put it down mm. and uh, I finished the book um, while the class was long way from even being finished that year mm. so I read it again and, and somehow through it um, the contemplation on the life of Christ reading it alongside the gospels um God stole my heart,, mm. and I came to find a presence that um that transcended um, that in spending time each day looking for that presence in prayer, bible study, in reading um, there was a new inner power that mm. was awakened and And over a period of time, the old restlessness started to disappear, and I found a purpose. And the purpose in life, more than anything, was, to be honest, to enjoy that presence of God. And and through just seeking that presence, the other parts of life, the other parts within me that needed changing, were just gradually started to be fashioned and and remade and... uh, I realize that that analogy of the vine and the branches is, is so true. Mm. You know, we, our job is to cling to the vine. Mm. And as the, as the sap runs through us, we're changed. You can't help but be changed. That's, that's true. You can't come into the presence of God and not be changed. It's um, yeah. not unless you harden and steel your heart uh, very firmly.
0: Mm.
2: Wow. That is very powerful Uh, My life was impacted as well by the same author Mm. I started the book called Patriarchs and Prophets It starts at the very beginning Mm. basically and goes through the creation account and Moses and so on And it was by reading this book That my life actually got transformed and Mm. changed
3: And and it's an amazing series Those five books The five books, yeah, yeah
2: Gives you a whole sweeping view of the beginning Right through to the end And deals with prophecy as well Some things that are still yet future for us Mm. From where we speak at the moment So um, that book changes your life You've gone to university uh, With the desire to uh, Get some direction and maybe Have some qualification that can help Steer you in a positive direction But the thing that ultimately worked for you Is connecting with the life of Christ Contemplating his life And the interesting thing is initially when you tried It it just didn't The appetite wasn't there for it you just Was it what changed Before and after because I mean it's the same book Right before you eat, you taste uh, dry wheat picks. Then afterwards, all of a sudden, there's as much milk and honey as you want. What is it? What makes the difference in, the, in your mind and in
3: our minds when we go through that process? <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know if I can explain it. Okay, um, it's something in you becomes well. It's called a new birth. Mm. So something in us becomes born again, and our old nature gives way to a new nature and. We start to enjoy what we didn't enjoy before, mm. uh, I guess, um, you know, as Alan White has commented, true education is that which, you know, brings our mind in contact with the mind of God. And and through that, we become a new creation. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that the old part isn't there banging on the door.
2: Sure. Sometimes uh, it can bang pretty loud too. And it doesn't mean we sometimes (laughs) don't
3: make mistakes and open it. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it gives you a sense of purpose. I I would say a sense of belonging. Mm. Um, A sense of belonging that becomes more important than what people around you think.
2: So I've discovered that all the answers, all the right answers, uh, fulfillment, purpose, Love, joy, peace Everything comes in that connection with God But when you are distracted Or you're in your natural state What I mean with what we inherited And I guess what we've expressed as well Because of that inheritance Our appetites are so different And although we're looking for All those things that I just mentioned We just can never quite find them in those places Until Mm. we taste But if we persist in taste Then all of a sudden we go, this is what I've always been looking for. I just was in the wrong place looking at the wrong thing. Maybe my eyes were blind to it. It it just blows me away. Now, I've never been able to put that in words myself, and I was hoping someone else can do it one day. But I think it's one of those things, according to the Bible, that cannot be explained but can be experienced.
3: Uh, That's a good comment.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like the wind, as as Jesus says to Nicodemus. It blows. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know where it's going, but you can see the effects of it. Mm. You can't explain it But you can see the effect And you can feel the effects as well So we praise God for that But I just have one question I just want to step back Before you start reading the book And before you start Or around the time You start going back to uni To study education To see if that's going to Give you direction Although you think It's probably only going to be One semester If you can last that long What was your Prayer life, like and your religious life, like were you going through the motions? Were you attending a church, or were you a little bit disconnected from the church?
3: I'm um, probably a little bit disconnected. I mean, mm. I would, I'd go sometimes, mm. um, particularly if there was a youth Sabbath school lesson or something. Right. You know, I'd, I'd trundle along and maybe listen for a bit. Mm. Um, so your parents were, had reason to be worried, if, if, as far as your spiritual look, life I th- was concerned. I think that they felt I was. Aimless, okay. but not necessarily.
2: You were not worldly in no. a big way.
3: No, I, I wasn't. I'm, I mean, probably. Just not committed. I probably guess, to it. all intents and purposes, I just looked like your average youth, mm. you know, in a church who was there sometimes, not all the time, who, who knew and believed and acknowledged God. Believed in God okay.
2: So you weren't an atheist by any stretch no, of the imagination no. yeah. and,
3: and I would still at times Pray to him mm. And talk to him about stuff Yeah um, But it just probably wasn't at a point Where it had become A really personal journey mm. Right, okay So
2: you start reading this book uh, You were forced to read it Because the girls in the class were showing you up Now you've read it not only once, you've read it twice because you love this book and who it's talking about. Mm. You're transformed by it. What happened subsequent to this experience where you've uh, encountered Christ in such a personal way?
3: You know, it was interesting that the year after um, this took place, I think God decided my faith needed some testing, Mm. this fledgling faith. Right. So I was, you know, spending some daily time with God. I came to a a, a pract teaching session where you go out into a school for four weeks, and you work under a teacher and you teach lessons. and And my job, or one of my jobs at this particular school and class, was to teach a unit on disabilities, and um, I was to develop a greater understanding and. Um, Empathy with the children, in terms of people who are blind or, or deaf, or you know, whatever other impairment, uh, disability they had, and I just hit the wall where I thought I can't do this. Mm. I, I have no idea how to do this. So I, um, I went in that little spiral that us human beings sometimes get in, where we go, I can't do it. I'm no good. At it. I can't. And I should have reached out and asked someone for help. Mm. I mean, that's hopefully what I do today. Yes. But I didn't, and I got right to the day of my prac teaching starting, and I didn't have this unit of work. It had to be a four-week unit of work teaching three lessons a week on it, and I knew my teacher, my supervising teacher, was going to ask me for it on my first day there, and I had nothing. Mm. I woke up that morning about two o'clock in the morning of the day I was to start. And I wrestled with it and I wrestled with it. And finally I thought, okay, I'll give up. I'm just going to ring up tomorrow and say, um, I'm not coming. Yeah. I've I'm, I'm given up my course. Mm. And with that, I felt, oh, that's so good. That's a burden off my shoulders. And I went wow. off to sleep. Woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning.
2: Two hours later.
3: And you talked about this book, Patriarchs and Prophets. And yeah. you see, I'd been reading that too. And I, I had very recently read about the Red Sea. Mm. and about um, the fact that the Israelites had this faith moment where they just had to go forward. Mm. So I just wrestled with that, and God was telling me, you've got to walk forward in faith, okay? You haven't handled all this right. So finally I gave it to him about 5 o'clock in the morning and just went off to school despite the fact I thought, I'm going to get told off for not having this unit of teaching ready to go. Yeah. My teacher said nothing to me all morning. Mm. I just sat at the back because the first day you just watch classes. You don't have to teach on the first day. I had to start teaching that unit the next day. Mm. After lunch, I'm just sitting there, the teacher's teaching, and there's this knock on the door, and it's this police lady. And uh, my supervising teacher, you know, is pointing at me, and I'm wondering what's going on, and And finally, she comes and talks to me and says, this is um, the police education officer. And um, she comes around to our school about once every four years to see if we need help on any of the units we're teaching. Now, I know you've probably got your unit on disabilities all ready to go. But if you need any help, um, this lady can give you a hand.
4: Wow.
3: And I thought, that's really strange. Why would a police lady help with a unit on disabilities because mm. they come and do safety stuff, yeah, but anyway, I tried to look really cool and just said, "Well, yeah, I, I could probably do with a, a bit of advice here and there." Mm. So I went down um, to her police education office at mm. the police station um, after school. I found out she was an ex primary school teacher. And um, she had taught a unit on disabilities. And there, in the next couple of hours, she helped me write an entire unit and organize the visitors and guests that would come in as part of that unit. And, you know, for someone developing a new faith, that just did me an immense amount of good. Just to to see God at work, because suddenly now it wasn't for my parents Mm. he was doing it. It was my journey, uh, and it was just so real to me now, as said before, you know, I wish I could say that every time I had a mountain to climb, that God miraculously moved it. Mm. Um, I can look back over some periods of my life where he has stayed silent at times where I desperately needed him to intervene and felt that he should intervene in a particular way. Mm. But he's taught me just as much through those times as he had when he's visible. Um, And I I know each of us need to learn to hang on to God when he's silent. Yes. and, And believe that he's there just as much. Hang on to what he's already shown us as evidence of his love, even if he doesn't choose to show his hand now.
2: It is so important to remember those special moments where God has come in for us, intervened for us, helped us out when we do not deserve it. Because mm. you knew you had to do the work. Mm. You didn't do it. And somehow God in his providence, he opened up an opportunity where you could actually have the access to someone who had experience, which you perhaps wouldn't even have had otherwise. Mm. Uh, I've had moments like that as well where just the goodness of God has just blown my mind. and said, Lord, I don't deserve any of this, but you just end up loving the Lord so much more that he's cut you a a bit of slack. Absolutely. And uh, when you see how good the God is to those people, as it says in Romans chapter 5, who are yet without strength, who are his enemies, who are ungodly, who are still sinners. It talks about all those categories of people that Christ died for them in any case because Mm. he loved them. It just shows you Maybe we need to cut each other A little bit of slack as well Sometimes yeah, when probably. we interact With each other <laughs> <laughs> So thank you That has been very encouraging um, Now this experience Because I mean Obviously you cruise for four weeks You didn't do your, your duty And then God <laughs> just shows up You know miraculously And helps you sort out This this thing with this lady Does that encourage you to cruise Or what does it do to you What is your, your mental thought Subsequent to having this experience
3: Look, I think if anything, it really encourages you to take responsibility mm. uh, for your choices and for your actions to make sure you don't back yourself uh, into another corner God, again. Right. To not be so proud as to not reach out to people for mm. help. Okay, who who Good are advice. around you who can?
0: Mm.
2: Okay, we only have a, a couple of minutes left. Um, were you baptised before or after? Uh, this experience you had when you were at school And you had to read The Desire of Ages as part of your uh, curriculum
3: I was actually baptized quite early on as a 12-year-old mm. So it it was well before that So, mm. uh, And certainly as a 12-year-old, for me, the decision was a real one that I was making yes. I, I, I genuinely wanted to go in that direction
2: mm. So you can make a decision for the Lord And in subsequent to the decision, you may even wander away because there's, there's, there's a thought process out there. Sometimes there's taught that's once saved, always saved. As long as you say, Lord, Lord, in the beginning, subsequent to what you do after, that doesn't matter. But you're actually saying if the connection with the Lord fails, then we need to come back to the Lord.
3: Yeah, we do. Look, he respects our choice. Mm. You know, if we're determined to walk away, he loves us enough to give us that freedom, and he'll allow us wow. to walk. Um, but um, as one author put it, uh, he's the hound of heaven. And he he just continues to, um, in a loving way, um, track us down, um, intervene in our pathways, and just try to show us that he cares.
0: Mm.
2: That's very important. You know, choice suggests freedom. If there was no choice, there'd be no freedom. Mm. We just automatically do what we need to do. There wouldn't be choices we can make. Everything would just be a facade. We think we're choosing, but there's none. But you're telling us here God allows us to choose and he honors that choice because obviously with choice comes a level of responsibility. Mm, for sure. And even in spite of us sometimes making the wrong decisions, God, like you're saying, as someone put it once, is the hound of heaven and he will continue to pursue us while there's still yet the opportunity to reveal more of his goodness to us. Mm. There's a, one of my favorite texts in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, tells us that you know it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance hmm. So dear listener We have been listening to the testimony Of Dr. Kevin Petrie Here on By the Word of Their Testimony We're just going to share our contact details with you And we'll be right back after the short message Stay tuned
1: Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony If you would like more information About today's program Or if you have any questions Please contact 3ABN Australia Radio By phoning 024973 3456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3ABNAustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you.
2: Dear listener, as we wrap up our program, I'd just do like to remind you that my special guest is Dr. Kevin Petrie in the studio who's been sharing his testimony. Now, Kevin, just in the last few moments we have left, have you got any words of encouragement to our listener? Out there at the moment, if they might be going through a difficult time, or if they might be just wondering what's the purpose that God has for them in their lives
3: sure, look a scripture passage which has come to mean a lot to me is ephesians three twenty mm. um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, mm. according to his power that is at work within us. Um, now I have a pretty good imagination Right But God says even more than what you can imagine, imagine. for your life mm. I, I can do So I, I think my word of encouragement would be don't, don't look at where you're at And what you see as being your faults and failures Look towards a hand far greater than yours And uh, there is no limit to the usefulness Of what God can do with your life
2: That is wonderful encouragement, and I thank you for that. Uh, Dear listener, you have been listening to the By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio has been uh, Dr. Kevin Petrie. Kevin, thank you so much for coming to share your life. We make ourselves a little bit vulnerable sometimes when we share some of these experiences because people see us now, and they don't know that we've been through a number of chapters where God has had to intervene or God has had to direct our life where we've made some good decisions sometimes Mm -hmm. and some bad decisions other times. But in spite of that, God can give us purpose and direction. And one of the things I know from experience, and you've demonstrated that through your testimony, is when God takes hold of our lives and we let him, mm-hmm. let him in, that we are not the same person after he's taken hold of us. What we were before and what we were after are two different beings. God recreates and he also regenerates. And dear listener, we pray that you've been encouraged by these messages. I think that's been a real inspiration to me as well. And we look forward to catching up with you next time. On this programme. Until then, God bless.
0: You have been listening to a production of Three ABN Australia Radio.